Life has its ups and downs. Our guests will share their story and their journey through life. They'll share the struggles they hit and how they pivot in a way to come out stronger and better than before. Growing up, we are taught there is one way of life that essentially creates our life's checkmark. You have a choice to go in any direction you desire. As you listen to our guest, you're encouraged to look at your life and the checkmark you created in your mind and readjust if needed after listening to some of the incredible stories told. This is the Life's Checkmark Podcast, and I'm your host, John Emery. Heather, it's great to have you with me today. Uh, just to go back a little bit, Heather and I were connected through another podcaster, so I'm grateful that we were able to connect somehow, some shape or form, right? And so we were able to come together, and I appreciate you coming on, and I know you have an exciting journey of your own to share with others and hopefully you can reach out to some people. So how about you just start off with who you are and if you don't mind just sharing what you're doing today. Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Heather. Um, I'm from Delaware. Um, and I, right now I am a relationship and emotional healing coach. Um, and I basically, I help women who have had trauma in their past, mainly relationship trauma, um, and un, un, learn those things and heal from those things and learn how to thrive in their life and live a life where they're happy and feeling worthy and feeling loved and all those good things. So I, I know a little bit about you, but what got you to doing what you're doing today? Uh, obviously, I know you went through some tough times too. Yeah, so that's a long story. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of things that have led me to where I am today. Um, and so usually when I tell this story, I start back to when I was 19 and I got pregnant because that moment was life-changing for me. And I think that it changed the trajectory of my life. Um, I found out I was pregnant when I was seven months pregnant. Um, so it was a shock all in its own, just letting, you know, let alone finding I was pregnant at that age and then only having two months to prepare. I was in college at the time. Um, I wasn't with my daughter's father. So it was a lot to take on at that age in the, that short amount of time. So in the blink of an eye, it seemed I became a mom. Um, you know, my life changed. And I just really had this belief that I was never going to be loved, that nobody was going to ever want to be with me. I was a single mom who would want to be with a single mom. I messed up, you know, my life. And these were all the beliefs that I had in my head a lot from my family, um, some friends at the time. And it really impacted how I viewed myself and how I viewed my future and what was available to me. And because of that belief system and because of the fact that I was very naive at that age, um, as most of us are, I found myself in a relationship with a narcissist. And, you know, I didn't know he was a narcissist at the time. He came in like a knight in shining armor trying to, you know, he was saving me from this, this horrible future that I had seen in my mind of, you know, what I was going to be dealing with. Um, and we got engaged after two months and he was in the military and, um, you know, he was getting deployed here and there for short, short periods of time. 
Um, and our relationship just kind of started to get worse and worse. And I thought it was all normal. I had seen my parents argue a lot in their marriage and really struggle. Um, and, uh, you know, all of my grand, I, I grew up with eight grandparents and it wasn't until I was older that I realized that that wasn't normal <laughs> because all of my grandparents had divorced and remarried. So I didn't realize that that wasn't, you know, a thing. And um, so I, you know, I had a lot of history of divorce and these bad relationships in my past. So getting into this relationship, us fighting all the time, him calling me names, all these horrible things that he was doing to me, it all kind of just, like I said, seemed so normal to me. I was like, oh, well, marriage is supposed to be hard. Relationships are supposed to be hard. You know, this is just part of the hard. Um, and I never really let myself believe that it was as bad as it really was. And, um, you know, I could talk for days about the things that he did and said to me, um, but he really tore me apart. And it wasn't until we finally divorced that I even realized that any of this damage had happened. Um, you know, and during that time that we were married, this was, in we got married in 2010 um and you know during that time mental health wasn't as big of a discussion as it is now a lot of terms like narcissism um, and gaslighting and things like that weren't as talked about as they are today um so i didn't know what any of that was so after we finally divorced i decided that you know i was going to try to change. You know, I was miserable. I was like, there has to be something better than this. So I kind of dabbled in the self-help world and found some books, um, started listening to podcasts and things like that. And I realized that there was this whole other world out there and that I wasn't alone, that other people had actually been through what I had went through and that it wasn't okay. And um, I just went down this rabbit hole of what toxic relationships were how they affect you. Um, I've always been into psychology. So it was really easy for me to get into the mental health side of it and how it affects us that way and affects us emotionally. Um, and I just, I actually originally became a beach body coach was how I got into the coaching world. Cause I was like, oh, this seems cool. I can help people. Like I was in the fitness, you know, I was like, I can do this. And then I was like, all right, this is too much of like a pyramid scheme for me. Like, I don't want to be pushing these products on people. Like I would like just help people. So then I came across life coaching and I got certified. Um, and my journey, uh, my business has kind of morphed over time um, into what it is today. But yeah, that's kind of a long story made sh a little shorter. Yeah, it was short. yeah, it's just a couple of <laughs> years squeezed in. Um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, about what age were you starting to turn the new leaf and, and find out there's all these different people out there that are looking to change their life? So I was about 30 years old. Me and my husband divorced a few, uh, it was about six months before my 30th birthday. And I got the divorce decree the first week of February and my birthday is the second week of February. And I was like, I am throwing myself a banger. I threw myself a 30th birthday party. I was like, this is like, this is my start to like a whole new decade of life and a whole new me. So it was, I made a whole thing of, of it. Um, but yeah, it, was, it wasn't until I was 30 years old that I finally realized that I had some shit going on. Gotcha. So, so you realized there was a problem and you're the one that said, I want out. 
Yes. Yeah. Yep. I actually read the book Eat, Pray, Love um, by Elizabeth Gilbert. I don't know if you're familiar with it or not, um, but there is a movie made with um, Julia Roberts. And it's about a woman who is going through a really hard time. She's married and she realizes that there's something missing and she goes against the grain and she divorces her husband and everybody thinks she's lost her mind. And she's like, I am going on a year sabbatical. I'm going to go travel the world. And she spends um, three months in Italy. She spends three months in um the second place is um oh my gosh it, oh my gosh Thai, like Thailand I think it was and then the third place she goes to is Bali um and it's just about her journey and how she transformed her life and how she opened learned about spirituality um and the, when I first read that book I was like oh my gosh people can get divorced people like there's other people that aren't that are miserable out there. <laughs> like it was just like this weird epitome to me and I read that book like three times. I have seen the movie so many freaking times. I love it. Um, but that was really where I was like, oh shit, like there really is something else out there. Like this woman was, I, I related to how she felt in the beginning of the book so much. And, and I was like, she changed her life. She has absolutely changed her life. And that's still a goal of mine is to go solo travel for an extended period of time um it's on my bucket list I will do it one day um cool. and and have that experience myself but I kind of made the experience the best I could at home um by really putting myself out there taking myself on what I called self-love dates and would just go and explore you know I would go check out new restaurants by myself I would go to museums by myself I would just go do stuff alone um, and while it wasn't this grand adventure that she had been on, it was still enough that it changed how I perceive the world, really. I mean, and why would you wait around for something else to come along to experience that, right? Time's just going to pass by, so you had yeah. the opportunity to take that time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah so, exactly. so you read this book, and uh, it changed it changed how you were thinking, right? Did um, yeah. But I mean, what, 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 what kind of like was going through your head? I mean, were you like, did, were you sit, willing to sit down to talk to your husband at the time or, you know, um, and talk it out or did so, you actually realize there was an issue going on? Well, there was throughout the 10 years that we were together, there were many times that we split up and mm -hmm. we ended up getting back together because for what I re later realized I had trauma bonded with him and I was extremely codependent. And I basically, I just did not see a life without him. It was very difficult for me to separate myself from him. And especially being as young as I was and naive as I was, um, I didn't have this, any experience in a lot. Really, I didn't have a lot of relationship experience. I had one other boyfriend from high school and, you know, I had dated a couple guys here and there, but then I met my ex-husband and we like jumped in head first. Um, and with him being as toxic as he was and manipulative as he was, he was able to keep me wrapped around his finger for a really, really long time. Um, there was two times in particular that we split up for an extended period of time, a few months. Um, and both times in the beginning of it, I was like, this is, this is what I need. 
you know, I, I need to get away from all this negativity. But then within a few weeks, he would reach back out to me and he would say all the things that I would want to hear and make me feel like it was going to be a fairy tale and everything would be okay. And I would fall right back in. And that cycle is what causes the trauma bond, you know, them saying, oh, we're soulmates. We're meant to be together. We have, we can't give up. We've made a commitment. I love you. You're the best things ever happened to me. All those things that we want to hear so bad. And then the next thing, you know, they're treating you like crap, throwing you against a wall, telling you that, you know, you're worthless, that you're a terrible mother, that you're a terrible wife. And then they come in the bed that night and they cuddle you and they tell you how much they love you. You know, so that cycle really messed with my head. And, you know, it's unfortunate because there's a lot of people out there that have been through that. And it's really my mission is to get people to understand how manipulative that is and how much it affects you. Because all along that time, he's tearing down my worth. He's tearing down my confidence. Um, You know, I resented and hated myself so much when I finally got out of this relationship because I was like, what the hell were you thinking? Why did you stay in that relationship for so freaking long when he was treating you the way that he was treating you? Like, are you stupid? You know, so I would just say these really horrible things to myself all the time. Um, And it was mostly from things that he said to me. I was just reiterating them and they became my own words and my own beliefs about myself. Um, So it really, it took me a while before I was like, you know what, this has to fucking change. Like there has to be something else out there. There has to be. Um, we we had like this one really big fight, probably like three months or so before we ended up separating. And um, he, so I had actually caught him in our house, in our bathroom with his pants around his ankles and a woman in front of him on her knees. Mm. Um, and I opened the bathroom door and I was like, uh, what, you know? You can fill in the blank for the things that were said. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, what it caused this big fight. And then I ended up forgiving him because he was like, you know, it's all in your head. You're overreacting. It's nothing. It's nothing. And I was in such a bad place mentally that I believed him. And I was like, you know what? You are overreacting. Why would you get so mad about that? You know, like, and I convinced myself that it was okay. And then a couple months later, we were at home and I was like, hey, I really want to watch this movie. Will you come watch it with me? And he's like, no, I don't want to sit in there with you. And I was like, okay, I want a divorce. <laughs> and like, whatever it was, like, it just clicked in my head at that moment. I was like, he won't even watch a movie with me. And like, all these things had flashback of all the terrible things that had happened. And I was like, I just can't do this anymore. And I said that. And he was like, okay. He didn't even fight. He didn't even care. It was like the simplest divorce ever. Um, you know, like we literally signed paperwork and everything was amicable and it was just, and it was over. Um, and then, you know, then of course all the, the fun part started with all the healing and the self-awareness and all that stuff. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's awesome as far, as far as the fun part, right. Um, oh, yeah. before we get, before we, <laughs> before we get into that stuff, uh, did you uh, like talk to any friends or family members like trying to figure it out instead of just figuring it out on your own? So I have a few close friends at the time. And when 
we split up my the person that was actually the maid of honor in my wedding who was the closest person to me who was around all the time and saw all the things that he was doing to me actually chose his side and said that I was wrong for abandoning the marriage um so needless to say that friendship suffered and has since ended um I unfortunately kind of grew up in a family where we weren't extremely close um you know we didn't talk a lot about our our emotions we didn't you know, go and cry to each other with, you know, these things. So um, I had probably three friends at the time that I actually could go to and talk to. Um, and they were, they were really there for me. But at the same time, everybody has their own stuff going on. And the mindset that I was in at that point was that I'm a burden. So it was really difficult for me to go out and talk to people about it. Um most of my healing has all just been self-healing um, and reading and journaling and diving super deep into these practices. Um, as I had got certified over the past couple years in different areas like EFT tapping um, and inner child healing, I just really dive super deep into what they're teaching me. And I just do the practices myself and I've learned how helpful they can be. So I think I've been really blessed because that doesn't always work for people to do it on your own. Um, and, you know, like I said, I had support of some friends that I talked to about everything, um, but there's just something different because they had never dealt with what I was dealing with. You know, they, they couldn't really relate. They were great to be a listening ear and to be there for me and to keep me busy and take me out and do stuff with me and stuff but when it came to actually the hard stuff and the deep conversations I didn't really have somebody that would that really related um so I guess to answer your question no I didn't really have too many people that I could talk to <laughs> but um yeah no I, yeah and I'm just asking that because uh some people would carry their relationship outside of the relationship instead of just trying to work on the two people right and then they take in the opinions the facts or whatever you want to call it from these outside sources and they say yes no you know whatever they, and then they start agreeing to what their friends or family members say you know so if you listen to your friend that don't get out of it before you left then you would still be in it you know yeah um, yeah and honestly that one friend that i said um my maid of honor she would have if I had listened to what she said, I definitely would have still been there. Um, yeah. But I was definitely wise enough to, I'm like, how can you honestly be on his side and support him after everything that he's done? You know, I mean, there was physical abuse, there was mental abuse, there was financial abuse, there was emotional abuse. I mean, in every sense of the word, he was treating me poorly and how a husband was not supposed to be treating his wife and she had a front row seat to it. Um, and I mean, I did listen to her for a long time um, and it got me nowhere. But then at the end for her to be the way that she was and like, oh my gosh, you're like, you're wrong. Why, how can you abandon your marriage? You made a commitment and all this. I'm like, first of all, you're not married. You don't understand what, you know, you've never been in this kind of relationship before. Like you, and she's four years younger than me too. 
Um, and I was already young to be dealing with all this. I was like, you do not understand. Um, and she stuck to her guns that I should have stayed, but thank God I did it. <laughs> I'm so much happier now. <laughs> yeah. So you got, you got to be careful where you're getting your, your, uh, your advice from, right. You know what I mean? Cause I, you know, single yeah, and married, that's a, that's a huge difference right there. You know, so it probably, if you were talking to other marriage, you know, people that are married, it probably, you know, things could be different, especially if he wanted to work on it too, you know, who knows? Exactly. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. So you went down. This, I tried went... to get him to go to therapy. Yeah. I tried to get him to go to therapy for a long time. Um, Cause I think I mentioned he was in the military. So he had some PTSD stuff cause he was overseas for a while at one point. Um, and, you know, I tried to get him into therapy on his own together i was like we like anybody like if you actually care like let's do something let's talk let like let's make a change and he just had no interest in any of that yeah he was already gone kind of um yeah. so before we jump into your change I, I wanted to ask you how would you describe a toxic relationship to somebody uh whether it's a client or somebody that comes along your way now or even if you want to bring up you know stuff from your past like there's a lot of stuff floating around that says toxic relationship. Like, what is it? Like you, you said, you said yourself, like you had no idea you were in something like this until one day you just mm -hmm. fell upon all this stuff. Um, so I, I'm just curious what your definition would be. Yeah. So, I mean, like you said, it, it, the things can be very, very subtle. And a lot of the times we allow this kind of treatment and I'll get into that, but into we allow this treatment for so freaking long. Like I thought it just became so normalized in our lives that we don't even look at it as toxic. Um, so there are a lot of factors in my opinion to a toxic relationship. Um, number one, and probably the most important is how you communicate with each other. Um, and this includes how you communicate on a daily basis about simple things, but also how you handle your big problems. So in a toxic relationship, that's going to look like screaming and calling each other names um, and slamming doors. Maybe it ends, it, you know, has physical, whether it's not, it doesn't have to be them punching you or something. They could be pushing you or just pushing you onto a bed even, which seems so simple, but that's not okay for somebody to put their hands on you in a, when you're in a heated argument, because it's coming from a bad place. Um, but if you're not able to communicate openly, or you don't feel safe communicating openly, that's a really big sign. If you are worried that if you want to express yourself to your partner and you're worried that they are going to have a high emotional reaction to where they're going to start screaming at you, or it's going to turn into some kind of physical violence, then that's a big indicator right there that it's a toxic environment. Um, you know, I am in a relationship now where I feel so open to go to my partner with anything. And I've never felt that way before in any past relationship. So that was huge for me huge for me and I see how big of a difference it can make where you have that emotional safety because before I would like start shaking I would be crying before I even approached him with anything because I was so terrified of his reaction he was so unpredictable 
So if you have those feelings when you want to communicate with your partner that you're scared of their reaction or worried what they're going to do or say, that's a big indicator that it's a toxic relationship. Um, another big indicator is how they treat you in public. This again is something that I see in a lot of relationships and people just kind of brush it off or laugh it off. Like, oh, they're just joking. But there, there's truth to that. Um, you know, my ex would say things to me in public that I would never think about saying to somebody else. I mean, there was one time I had some friends spend the night um, like we had been out the night before and I woke up in the morning to cook breakfast for everybody. And lo and behold, my, my friend and her boyfriend were already up cooking breakfast. And I was like, Hey, that's awesome. Like, I love you guys. So they're cooking breakfast. He comes down and in front of my, one of my best friends, my longest friends, he was like, I am not eating anything unless my wife cooks it for me. She needs to do her wifely duties and make me my food. And he was dead serious. And my friend and her boyfriend were both like, what the hell? Like, what are you talking about, dude? Um, so just things like that. Or um, if they embarrass you in public and like make fun of you in public, he would talk so much shit about me to our friends when we would go out. You know, he would embarrass me. He would like, I mean, there was one time I had an upset stomach not I'm gonna spare you the details, but I had a rough night one night and he decided to share that with all these people and just embarrass me and laugh at me. Um, you know, somebody who truly cares about you is not going to put you through that, especially in front of people that you care about, your friends, your family. They're not gonna embarrass you. Um, something else in a toxic relationship is manipulation tactics that they'll use too. So if you find yourself feeling guilty a lot of the time um, because of things that they're saying to you. So if you, most of the time, it's going to be them telling you that you need to make them happy. You know, you're in charge of their happiness and they make you feel guilty when they're not in a good mood. Um, maybe they make you feel guilty for messing up dinner. As simple as that sounds, that was something that my ex put me through so many times and that guilt just builds, you know? Um, and I'm not the greatest cook at all. I own that. I I do not like to cook. And that was like one of the worst things for my ex because again, he was very old school and expected me to have a, you know, five course meal every night for dinner, which was just not my thing. And he knew that. He knew that, but he still tried to change me and force me into it and we get pissed as hell if things were not up to his standard. I'll burn dinner now and my boyfriend will be like, it's okay, baby. I'll eat it. You know, like it's just, it's just night and day. You know, my ex would scream at me for getting the wrong kind of butter at the, at the grocery store, you know? And again, if it happened now, my boyfriend would be like, Oh, you want me to go get you something? You want me to go get the right butter or something? Like it's those kinds of things that you need to look out for how they treat you, how they communicate with you. Um, those are really the big things, in my opinion, of what a yeah. how to see a toxic relationship. Thank you. I think you really broke it down to being simple. So, you know, a lot of people might be going through it and not noticing that. So, yeah, the few, I guess, three or four things you just shared was great. Um, 
I also want to add, like, you, you want to be appreciated, right? So you just mentioned how your partner goes out to get butter or whatever, as an example, right? Mm -hmm. You know, but he appreciates you trying to do something, right? And and that's, and yeah. reciprocate it, right? You know, you're doing the same thing for him, I'm sure. Um, yeah. What a, what a what a night and day it sounds like, you know, from relationships, huh? Oh, I mean, yeah. I mean, like, you, you said you were shaking with your past, you know, with your ex-husband and... Now with your partner, um, you're you're just like, what what is this, right? I mean, like at least in the beginning, I would imagine you're just like, it doesn't make sense. How how, how was that? Is that is that easy or not at all? And yeah. I think that's something too that a lot of people don't really talk about is that first healthy relationship after the toxic one. How freaking weird it is, <laughs> um, like. The first couple of months that we were together, I was convinced. I was like, this guy's going to think I'm nuts because like, I, you know, I would apologize for everything. I would over explain myself. And it was really me just kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop, like waiting, like when are things going to get bad? Because I had really bad luck in relationships and things just always ended badly. So I was like, this is just going to be another one of those examples. And while when we got together, I had done so much healing and was a completely different person than I was when I left my ex-husband. There are certain aspects that you can't heal unless you're actually in that relation in a relationship. You know, like, um, actually was just recording a TikTok video today talking about this. I realized that like right now in certain ways, I'm super healed where like, I won't pick fights with him over stupid stuff. Um, you know, I won't call him names, all these things that I did in my past relationship out of being super defensive. I don't do anymore. But then every now and then there are things where I'm like, oh my gosh, do I say this? Do I not say this? Like, how is he going to react? And not that I think he's going to react in a negative way, but like more so, are we going to be on the same page with this? Um, at, at least in this experience. But I just notice just, I, I was so scared in the beginning of this relationship and it reflected in how I showed up in a, the relationship you know I couldn't show up 100% with him like I kept this wall up even if it was like a half wall and not a total brick wall between us you know we could peep at each other over the wall but I was still keeping that distance between us because I was like I was just terrified that I was going to get my heart broken again and I had done so much healing that I was like, I am not going to let another man tear me down. Like I was just like, you know, I was standing strong with that. I was like, I'm not, I knew I was like, I'm not going to let another man talk to me this way. I'm not going to let him treat me this way. You know, I had a list of things I was not going to allow and it kept this wall up. So I really had to go through this process of trusting that things were going to be okay. And that if it was meant to be, it was meant to be. And if I needed to express myself, if he was the one, then he would be receptive to that. And it just took having hard conversations and kind of getting that practice in, um, right? Like you might be scared of the deep end, but once you jump into the deep end a few times, you're like this isn't so bad, right? It's kind of the same thing with these kinds of relationships. You have to relearn how to be in a relationship.
Because once you're in that toxic one for so long, you just think that that's how things are and you become kind of programmed and you you have these learned reactions to certain things. And it's just a process and unlearning all of that. And it's really scary and it's really hard, but it's absolutely worth it if you're if you're lucky enough to find the right person. Yeah. So you had these very high walls, you know, and your guard was up. So I, I want to add the word triggers because apparently, you know, mm -hmm. you're still going to have triggers. And I'm sure he might, too, from wherever he came from. Um, and that's something you have to work out in relationship. Like, that's what it is. Yep. And now it sounds like you're open enough where you could just go, hey, let's talk about this. And it sounds like he would be open enough to go. Yeah. OK, agree. whatever it is. Right. Um, yep. So yep. I wanted to add that in because it, it's obviously stuff's going to come up. Like you just said, you know, do I talk to him about this? You know, because he might yell at me, but he's. He's that other person. He ain't going to yell at me. You know, he just wants to talk to you about it. Um, yeah. And then, you know, I it, once you open up your heart, you know, instead of having those walls and start to receive the love, you know, then I, I think that's where you find, you know, that you can find that one person that you can connect with and have these deep conversations with. And you wouldn't have gotten to this point if you didn't go through all your self-healing um, on your own, apparently. Exactly. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's good. I And, you know, uh, what did you do, like do to start going through that self-healing? Besides starting to read that book and wanting to travel the world, you know, where did you want to begin? So I was, I was lost in the beginning. I was all over the damn place. <laughs> I was, you know, I was reading books. I was listening to podcasts. I was, um, I would go on Pinterest and type in self-love and just scroll for hours and come across journal prompts and, you know, things to build your self-love and why your self-love, like all these articles. And I would just read and read and read. And at first it was a lot of just kind of absorbing the information. Um, and the thing with healing that I always tell people is, you know, you, you're going to gain awareness by doing all those things. But a big part of healing is actually doing like you can't just read all these books and just think that you're healed because you have that knowledge and because you're aware of it now, you really have to go out there and do the work. So for me, it looked like, like I mentioned before, a lot of self-love dates, spending time by myself, because one of my biggest issues was codependency. Um, and I always like, I, I was terrified to be alone. I had this fear of abandonment, this fear of rejection, and I needed somebody to be there and to validate me. So I really had to go through this period of where I was forcing myself outside of my comfort zone and going to these restaurants, these new restaurants by myself, you know, and going and sitting there, which can be, if you've never done it before, it can be really awkward at first, you know, you know. go sit at a fancy restaurant by yourself. People <laughs> are like, oh, did you get stood up or something? You know, I was like, no, I'm here by myself. Oh, um, so it can be really, really hard at first for some people. Um, some people are extroverts and they don't care. And they're just out there doing their own thing. For me, it was a huge barrier that I had to overcome to be able to go out and do things by myself. Um, so just really putting in the work it, it for me also healing looked like sitting in bed for hours, crying my eyes out while I journaled. Um, journaling was huge for me um, because like I said, I didn't have 
a huge support system. Um, and I was still at this place where I was resenting myself and hating myself that I was scared to really let the full truth out there. So journaling was a really safe way for me to do that. Um, and I would just write and write and write and cry and cry and cry and then write some more. And, you know, that in itself was very, very healing. Um, I also along the way started into this spirituality world and, you know, I never really grew up in a very religious family. Um, both of my parents grew up and my dad grew up in a Catholic household and my mom grew up in um, a Christian household and they went to church and for whatever reason they decided when they got together that they weren't going to do that. So I never went to church growing up. Um, but I started hearing more and I, I don't remember where I first came across it. Um, but diving into Buddhism and then I'm like, Oh, okay. Meditation. And then I started learning about breath work and EFT tapping and all these other modalities that you can do. And I was like, let me try this out. Let me try it. So I would go to the park and meditate. I got certified as an EFT practitioner. You know, I just started putting myself out there and actually doing the things. Because again, so many people will listen to the podcast. They'll read all the books. They'll have, they'll follow all the accounts on social media and read all of their posts. But doing that's not always enough. You have to actually do the work. Um, so yeah, that's a few examples of what it looked like for me. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, she wants to join in a little bit. Um, yeah, I uh, I would agree with you with going out on your own. Especially, I, I found myself as an introvert as well. So um, that's a huge change, right? You know, especially if you've been doing it for so long with somebody else. Um, I also found meditating to be healing as well. And it's it, it doesn't it's not doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to be deep. But you know, what I mean, it's just yeah. sitting there and taking in that time and the energy of just ah, I want to call it ah, you know what I mean? Just like release, right? You can just yeah, let things be. Yeah. You're kind of erasing the day from before, you know, yesterday so that you can just let today be good. Um, that's how I look at it. But uh, yeah, well, yes. Um, Heather, how, how does somebody reach out to you and, you know, connect with you for, you know, however you help your clients and, you know, what, what else do you provide? I mean, what, what go into details if you like to yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I do one-on-one -on -one coaching um, where it's a 12-week program and each week we work through something different. It is structured, but it's also very personalized. So we have an initial meeting where we talk and I am able to find out exactly what's going on with you, what your goals are for our coaching time together. And then we follow the structure, but I also change things so that it's personalized to what you need because certain things are not going to work for everybody. Um, but it's a 12 week program. We meet once a week um, on a video chat and um, we go through that. We, I give homeworks each week. We have journaling. I'm available to talk um, via text. Um, and it's just a way for you to work through your healing journey kind of the same way I did, but have that support so that you don't have to wait six years like I did to get to a place where you're actually totally confident. You know, we can break it down into 12 weeks. You have somebody who's been there. I give you all the tools that I learned along the way. 
um, and you have a friend, you have a support. Um, in addition to that, I have a new course that is open for enrollment right now. It's called Worthy as Fuck. And we start in January and it's a four-week course. And I am so excited about this. Um, I created the four pillars of self-worth, which are being yourself, accepting yourself, loving yourself, and respecting yourself. So each week we break down the pillar um, and there's a workbook that goes along with it. There's activities that we're going to do together, as well as activities that you do on your own. We have a 30-day self-worth challenge that we're going to do. And I have a worthy as fuck community that um, has a bunch of women in it. We all go through this journey together. I'm really, really excited about this because I struggled with my self-worth for so long and I didn't realize in how many ways it was affecting me I mean it was affecting how I showed up at work how I advocated for myself how I communicated with people even how I showed up as a mom so I want to this this course is really to help people understand how low self-worth affects you and how to rebuild it um but I have a website it's heathernicolecoaching.com and you can find out more about my coaching on there you can register for the worthiest fuck program on there and then i hang out a lot on instagram and tiktok uh, my handle is at the heather underscore nicole um and yeah that's i think that's about it and my podcast too i have a podcast as well called uh be fiercely you what's the podcast about what was that what's the podcast about so the podcast is a lot about healing. Um, my recent episode is about childhood trauma. Um, I talk a lot about things that happened in my childhood that people might look at as not really trauma um, and how we invalidate those things and how they can actually affect us. Um, but I talk a lot about um, growing your confidence, self-love really improving your life in all ways we I mean we I've covered a lot of different things on there um we talked we I had an episode on there with a breathwork specialist um and we discussed breathwork and how to do that um I had somebody on there that was talking about generational trauma and we went into all the depths of that so yeah we cover a lot of a lot of topics on there but mainly about just being your fierce ass self is what I like to say. Gotcha. <laughs> that makes sense. Um, so I have one question for you then. And what are three key things you've learned and used along your journey? Ooh, okay. Um, the first one would be learning how to accept myself. Because I think that all the ways that I wasn't accepting myself were all the ways that I was also judging myself and holding myself back. Um, and if I didn't accept my past for what it was, and I continued to live in this victim mentality that I did for so long, I would never be where I am today. Um, so just truly learning to accept myself. Um, another thing would be loving myself that deep self-love um I think that a lot of people kind of think that self-love is getting massages and taking time at home by yourself but it's a lot deeper than that um 
And it's about truly loving the person that you are so that you can show up as your best self every single day. Um, and the third thing that I learned, um, don't let men talk to you like shit. Stand up for yourself. <laughs> yes, I, I would agree. We with that allow one. so much as women, we allow so much in our life because we're taught at a young age to, you know, be quiet, don't be opinionated, you know, don't be too loud, keep to yourself. Um, and it really waters down who we are. And in my opinion, a lot of time, that's where we allow the negative treatment in our lives and allow people to treat us like crap. And we end up in these toxic relationships because of it. So I very big advocate for not letting anybody talk shit to me and standing up for myself. Yeah. In my opinion, no man should be talking like that at all. And or anybody really in general, you yeah, know, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. I would agree. Um, Heather, I, I appreciate you coming on, sharing your story. I'm sure there's more to it, but I mean, that was a lot we got in just in the 45 <laughs> minutes or so we got, but uh, thank you. And uh, you know, I look forward to uh, talking to you in the future. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on. It was awesome. Thank you for taking your time listening to Life's Checkmark. If you like this show, please subscribe, rate, and review. And we'll see you next time.